Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod, a special edition with Brooklyn Nets general manager Sean Marks. Sean, how how's your morning been? Woj, thanks for having me. It, it's been a busy one. It's been busy, but it's been exciting, and um, you know, glad that we're we can continue onwards here in our in our approach to building. So, describe the path that led you to hire Steve Nash as your new head coach. Well, I mean, I guess I would have to look back, you know, 20 years. That's how long our relationship goes back here. And whether that's from, you know, playing against him, Canada versus New Zealand, or playing together with him in Phoenix. And um, just getting to know him and the character that he is, the person he is, um, the, the amazing leader um, that he is and what he's shown, especially those, those Phoenix teams that uh, I was on with him, lucky to be a part of with him. Um, and I think that's that's led to this date where we figured, you know, this was this is the best uh, the best person for this job and this team. Sean, uh, Steve had been working for the Warriors. He had worked for Team Canada as GM, but he had not committed to a full time role, whether as a head coach or in the front office. He's had opportunities for both. Did you get a sense? as you started to talk to him or reached out to him that uh, his thinking had changed about making that kind of commitment? What, what was that conversation like with him? Yeah, it had changed because I, I talked to Steve about this, you know, over the past sort of decade about what life after basketball will look like for him and, and what he wants to, what endeavors, you know, he wants to pursue. Um, I, I knew he'd be a tremendous asset to whatever team, whatever organization, you know, could bring him on board. And, um, you know, this this last summer, it, it changed because the narrative was, you know, Steve had searched me out. And when he knew the job was open and said, look, I want to put my hat in the ring here. And, you know, we started talking. It moved very quickly. Um, but uh, obviously excited to have a guy of his caliber, his stature, um, to be coming in here to, to lead this organization forward. It, Sean, it feels like on the surface, his time in Golden State, like to me, like three three really valuable things um, that might be kind of specific to coaching the Nets. Number one, he watched Steve Kerr navigate taking on a head coaching role without any experience, having not been a head coach before. He watched him coach Kevin Durant. He saw the dynamic of that relationship, of how he coached him. And then he built his own relationship with Kevin Durant. Were those all among the elements you guys talked about and all things that you think might cut the learning curve for him a little bit in Brooklyn? Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure if it's cut the learning curve, but I think that probably enticed him to think um, more about getting involved in coaching. I think when you've been around a championship caliber team you know, like Golden State, um, that has just been, you know, a juggernaut, you know, the last five, six years. And being around a guy like Steve Kerr, who um, is an open communicator, high character guy, um, you know, Steve would certainly have picked up some of Steve Kerr's traits, and I'm sure they picked each other's brain a lot from from time to time, which, you know, I, I think that's led Steve to to to, to want to make this decision and want to jump in in right now and obviously it never hurts when you've already got a rapport 
um, with some of our players, which which Steve has, and you know he's got the respect of everybody in the league because of how he's conducted himself over the lifetime of his career. Sean, how do you include, or how did you include Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, in the search in your conversations with candidates, and then their feedback, their thoughts on on who and the the characteristics of the things that they wanted that were important to them. Yeah, well, we, we had a, um, a very diverse search. The, 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 um, the net was extremely wide. And, and to be quite frank, I was humbled by the interest that, um, that we had for, for, this, for this position. Um, I've always said that I would communicate with our players and let them know where we're going and, and what my, my um, thoughts would be about whether it's a head coach or whether it's somebody in free agency or even a draft prospect. You know, I mean, guys like to watch basketball. You know, we've, we're lucky we've got some basketball savants on our team and, and they're very in tune with what's, what's going on, whether that's at the NC2A level or whether that's the next sort of coaching hire. Um, so we certainly involved multiple members of the, of the team. Um, but again, this, this was a, this was a uh, decision that, you know, Joe Sai and myself, you know, consulted a number of member of the, members of the team with and decided, look, Steve is, is the best person um, that we see fit for this job and and thankfully our, our players agreed with us and and they're they're just as ecstatic as we are. Sean, how much did one year, even though Kevin didn't play for you this year, Kyrie was limited in the games he played. How much did you learn about those two and who the right coach would be and what the characteristics would be um, to help fit? Because uh, ultimately, you've got to have buy-in from your star players in this league to win at the highest level. How much did you learn this year about them that helped you in maybe gave you more confidence that Steve Nash was the right guy? Yeah, I think, you know, spending a year with, with Kevin and and Kai for the most part, um, you know, sidelined enabled me to strike up a relationship and a rapport with these guys. And we had a lot of conversations um, whether that was watching practice or post games or even throughout the summer here and and leading into, um, into these playoffs as to what we should be looking for, what we need. Um, both expressed um, high character. They wanted a great communicator and they wanted somebody that they would respect. And I, I think we've, um, you know, hit that nail on the head, you know, with a hire like Steve. Um, again, it goes back to, you know, if I, I was I was able to see it firsthand with my time with him in Phoenix. I think he's the only or one of the only uh, players I've ever seen show that sort of um, team first mentality and really live by it. You know, he was not interested in individual statistics. He had an incredible empathy for whether it was like a guy like myself, the 15th man on the roster or um, Raja Bell, who was right next door to him, so to speak, in the lineup. So um, his ability to really bring that group together um, was amazing. And to be honest, that's what we're going to need. You know, we have um, a lot of pieces here and there's probably some pieces still to go. We'll see how we build this out. But um, as Joe Sai had mentioned before, and I loved his quote, he said, we need a conductor. And I think that's exactly what we need here. And, and Steve's the right guy. Sean, you talked about that time with him in Phoenix. And it kind of becomes a cliche a little bit about the point guard who was the coach on the floor. Every point guard has to lead and be an extension of the head coach. But the conversation was always different around Steve Nash and even the development of Amari Stoudemire and how he 
elevated Amari. And, you know, the joke was always think of all the guys who got paid contracts who Steve, um, he did it in, whether it was in Phoenix, you would Jason Kidd in Brooklyn or in New Jersey, that, that, that there was just something about that elite next level point guard um, that day in and day out really did coach the group. Was it just as different with him as anybody you had been around? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you get to that level of elite point guards, that's, that's what they're known for is making everybody better. And without a doubt, you know, Steve was the head of the snake in Phoenix. Um, again, had that incredible humility and, and the empathy for the, for the entire group and was able to bring us all together. And, and that's, that's what he, he, he did there. And the expectations are that you know, he'll do the same, same here with us. Yeah. Sean, how much background have you done in sort of picking the brain of others who have hired a head coach without coaching experience and how they put stabs around and how they supported him. Um, was there any, were you familiar, like kind of had some intimate knowledge of some other situations? Have you gone out during this and talked with people about that? Or is that something you do now once you've got Steve on board? Uh, it's a combination of both. Um, obviously with a hire like this, this wasn't something that we were, um, to be honest, didn't have the time to be running out there and doing a whole bunch of uh, background on first-time head coaches and so forth. Um, I think it really, you know, my relationship with Steve over the years, you know, was, was a strong factor there. Um, but, you know, I think now it'll be up to Steve, and Steve has shown the curiosity and the humility to to want to reach out to you know to many of these coaches who have found themselves in, in the as a first time seat, you know, in that front seat. Um, so he'll be reaching out, and of course, his time with Steve Kerr. I mean, that's a perfect example. But you know, he's not the first player, and won't be the last player to uh, to jump straight into coaching at at the, at the highest level. And I think we've seen. You know, numerous um, guys have a lot of success and it'll be up to us to now, you know, surround him with the right personnel, both on and off the court. But you know, his basketball IQ is off the charts and, and what makes him special is, is his EQ, um, which I think people will gravitate to. Sean, so when the job opened, it was Steve who reached out to you and said, hey, I think I might be ready to do this. Is that how it initially played out? Basically, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had conversations again, dating back years and years now. You know, because we are close friends, um, and we've picked each other's brains on a lot of different scenarios, uh, and not just honest. To be honest, not just coaching. Um, however, this we we always do get together from time to time with the families and so forth. And, and this one, this one felt natural. Um, it was certainly not forced, and. And again, there was a different tone with Steve. You know, I, I've seen since the last, you know, sort of week or two of this, really um, his approach pickup and his preparation for this um, has been, you know, pretty impressive, to be honest. Whereas, he, he, you know, he's giving this his, his best shot and you know, he has a lot of stake. We all do here. But, you know, I think when he's willing to sacrifice you know, some of the, a little bit of the livelihood that he has already. And so, look, you know, I want to throw my hat in the ring here. I want to give this a shot and I know what's at stake. You know, I know there'll be naysayers and so forth, but, um, you know, he's got our utmost support here with us. Sean, how important was it for you to be able 
to put Steve in place and then be able to keep Jacques Vaughn at the top of his coaching staff? Extremely important. Um, I love the continuity that we have with, with, with Jacques staying in place. But I will say this. This is not only was it important to me, but it was it was more important to Steve. And this was one of Steve's, you know, first sort of requirements of the job. He said, look, I want to do it. But I have seen how Jacques coaches. Um, you know, I, I know the person and I look forward to getting to know him better. Um, so it was, uh, that was, that was led just as much by Steve as it was, as it was myself. And I think when you've, when you've got a good group and, you know, we know we have a good tandem here, it's going to be fun to watch those guys communicate and, and continue to grow as a, as a, as a team. Kyrie Irving, there probably isn't a pair of his in the league now who plays the position as creatively as he does, as innovatively as he does. And as Steve Nash is certainly somebody who evolved the position, changed it. And I, I wonder in your conversations with Kyrie, just his, his intrigue with being able to um, maybe have kind of the high, high level conversations and, and, and having a head coach who really understands what it means to play that position at the level uh, Kyrie plays it at. You're 100% right. I think I look forward to, you know, I obviously won't be privy to all those conversations, but I, I look forward to hearing or at least seeing um, both Steve and Kyrie, you know, get together and, and and really talk about a lot of things. And to be honest, I think a lot of those things are not even on the court. I mean, they'll obviously share a lot of their basketball experiences and so forth, and there really isn't anything that Steve hasn't seen and, and Kyrie uh, the likes. But I think a lot of this relationship is going to be built off the court. It's and and again, going back to what I know and what I've seen of Steve as being just the ultimate communicator. Um, that's what those you know, the guys on our team have asked for. Is they they wanted a communicator, um, and, and that's what they've got. So we'll see where it goes. Sean, when you say communication and that your players wanted somebody who was a strong communicator. What does that mean to you? How does that manifest itself for a head coach? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a, there's a couple of different nuances to that. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, you're as a, as a point guard, you're communicating on the court, you're directing traffic, you're putting people in places to succeed. Yes, that's 100% what it is. I think something that's missed is are you showing the empathy and are you, and are you able to communicate on a much higher level, did you take the time to get to know your players on a personal basis? You know, um, do you know their families? Do you know what makes them tick off the court? Because if you know that and you've developed that trust through open and honest communication, then when you do get a chance on the court to, whether it's you know, tell them they could have done something a little differently or have them have the trust in your play that you're writing up, you know, at the end of a shot clock or an ATO. Um, they're going to believe in you. They're going to trust you because there's a relationship and a trust that's grown far greater than just basketball and beyond just the court. You know, it's funny. When you look back through history, there's some of the guys who were that kind of a mortal elite player like Steve Nash have had trouble coaching because they didn't understand what it meant to be something far lesser as a player. They didn't really know. They couldn't really identify with a guy at the end of the bench or they, there were just things they could do as a player that 
they have most of their guys, maybe none of their guys can do. And that's made it, I think, more difficult for the, the immortal player in some instances the coach. It feels like with Steve, his career was very different. He, he, he became that in his 30s. There's almost not ever been a player in the NBA who, who, who became a Hall of Famer in the second half of his career and knows what it's like to struggle and knows what it's like. You know, he wasn't a big recruit coming out. He wasn't a high draft, super high draft pick. And he was given up on early in his career before going to Dallas and coming back. Do you think his context is different than others of his, maybe of his ilk? Uh, I certainly do. I think if you, you look back at a 17-year-old Steve Nash and you think this guy's going to be a two-time MVP, you know, people would probably laugh at you. Um, and that's what makes Steve special is he's got that chip on his shoulder and he's worked. I've seen him work. I've seen him put in the long hours in the gym. And I, and I know the pride that he's taken in his craft. So I, I think his he's a little different to some of those other, um, you know, you know, as you mentioned, the high-end players that have gone and tried their craft at coaching, I think it's a little different this time around with him. Um, And he'll certainly have the respect of our guys because I think everybody knows the work that he's put in. This this isn't because he's got all these God-given talents. You know, I mean, surely he has some of them, but at the end of the day, it's, it's more important is the work that he's put in that's made him who he is. Sean Marks, the Nets general manager. Sean, thanks. For taking the time to jump in this morning. A big day for the Brooklyn Nets. Steve Nash is the new head coach. He signed a four-year contract. Sean, we'll talk to you soon. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to Nets GM Sean Marks. Be sure to listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to hear the latest edition of the Low Post with Zach Lowe with Kevin Arnovitz talking about the Steve Nash hire in Brooklyn. And, of course, the Hoop Collective hosted by Brian Windhurst. We'll catch you again soon. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.